You're listening to Talking Ackies, the official podcast of Hamilton Academical. I'm your host, Alan Caldwell, and on this episode, we'll be discussing upcoming fixtures, and our guest today is number eight, Steve Davis. Steve, thanks for joining me. We're here today to not only talk about Ackies, but to talk about your career in a whole. But firstly, how is training today? How has your day been, mate? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been okay. Um, pretty cold one this morning. Um, but, you know, we've had four or five days off over the, the international break, so it was it was nice to get back in and, and see all the boys and, and get back down to training. So, obviously, born in Liverpool, you came through the ranks at Tranmere at the age of 17, but I'm sure you agree, it's no secret that you're a massive Liverpool fan. Was playing for Liverpool always a dream for you? Yeah, it was. Listen, I was I was at Liverpool from from seven to, to fifteen, and then left Liverpool and, and went to Tramier. And you know, there was times at Tramier when I was I was doing really well and flying, and there was a, a chance for me to go back to Liverpool. But I think at that stage in my career, to go from from playing first team football in League One at the time with Tramier, to go back to Liverpool and and be a an academy player or a reserve player, it was something that I wasn't willing to do. So I think overall it was obviously it would have been it would have been amazing to to wear the, the Liverpool shirt in a first team environment, but it wasn't meant to be and, and I've had a successful career anyway. So it's something I look back on and think it would have been nice, but it, it's not to be all and end all. Yeah, exactly. Like you were saying, you've obviously still had a good career. Uh, you're now in the fifteenth season of it and you played in the English Championship for seven straight years with Derby, Bristol and also Blackpool. But obviously, other than your time with Ackies, what has been the most enjoyable spell for you at a club? Yeah, I think I think when I first went to Derby and you know it was it was all new and it was a big club who'd just been who'd just been relegated from the from the Premier League. So the chance to go there was was a big challenge and it was something that listen, I, I thoroughly enjoyed even when I left left Derby to go to go to Bristol City. I um I was still fortunate to have three years left on my contract but it was it was a decision that I wanted to make for for family reasons and it was a chance to, to try something new and it was you know, it, as I say it's been it's been, I've had an amazing career but it's something that I want to continue and especially being here now at Hamilton it's it's a club that really suits me, I know from from playing in England to playing up here, it's it's a lot different. There's not as many games here, which uh, at my age now it, it sort of suits not playing Saturday, Wednesday every week. It's you sort of you can play Saturday and, and have the time to recover because the game's getting quicker and, and there's more demands put on your body. And I think it's it's also fair to say you've had some pretty big moments in a Rochdale shirt. You know, the one that stands out to me is obviously the injury time equaliser against Spurs that earned you a replay at Wembley. Talk me through that. What was that like for you, and how good a feeling was that scoring such a big goal against such a big team like Spurs? See, I've I've been asked this question a few times, and listen, I'm a I'm a striker, and I've been very fortunate to score a lot of goals throughout my career. So for me personally, it wasn't obviously it was nice because it was against Tottenham. You know, the the likes of Harry Kane, Deli Ali, people like that on the pitch to to play against top players like them. But for me, it wasn't. It wasn't a surprise. I've I've always scored goals, no matter when I was seven years of age or now at thirty-one. I've always had the the knack of scoring goals, so it wasn't it wasn't a surprise. But it was it was a, it was a chance for me to take my wife and both my kids to to Wembley to watch me, which is something that I think didn't really hit home until probably two three days before we were going to play Spurs when. 
it really hit home and, and I was proud of, of, of what I'd done. Now, let's move on to your time with Aki's then. You obviously moved here from Blackpool in January and you've settled in pretty well, I think it's safe to say. How much have you enjoyed your time here so far? And I know you touched on it a little bit, but can you tell me a bit more about what are the biggest changes from the English to the Scottish game? Yeah, I think, listen, going, going back to to coming from England to, to play in England to play in Scotland. Sorry, it's obviously there is a difference. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's not it's not as intense as England, but in England there's a lot more games. So you can say for instance you make a mistake on a Saturday in England, you don't really get much chance to analyse what went wrong because you're straight into another game on a Tuesday and I think up here it's just having that time on the training pitch where you can really get the manager's ideas especially for the managers, they can install their ideas into you for, for the game coming ahead and obviously the game that's just passed. So, footballing-wise, is there a difference? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there's that much of a, of a difference in especially the quality, I think. Obviously, the higher championship and, and Premier League teams, obviously, there's a difference there. But all in all, I think there's, there isn't much difference, but... The difficult thing for me now being up here is being away from my wife and kids, which has has been really tough. It's the first time I haven't lived at home with them, so I think the only the only challenges I've had being up here is is far, is not being at home. And and to be honest, the football's been probably the the safe haven where I can just go out and relax and and express myself. Where after training, I'm always coming home, checking if my wife's okay, checking if the kids are okay. So I think that's been the um, the hardest part. So, wait, like you're saying, can you go into that a little bit more? Because obviously, your average fan, they don't know what that's like for you. They probably just see you as a footballer. You get a good pay. They don't realise the fact that you've got a family and, you know, you've got a wife and you've got kids to look after. But how difficult is that? And how often how often do your family come up here to Scotland? Do they live down in Liverpool quite a lot? Yeah, listen, it's been, it's been tough. I've obviously, earlier on in my career with when I was at Derby and Bristol City and places like that, my wife, Sasha and both kids came with me and, and we've always been together. And when I, I think the, the first time I signed for Blackpool, um, which was 2012, I think we made a, a conscious decision as a family that we moved north on purpose for the, for the sake of having family members around us because everywhere we'd been, it was just me and Sasha and both kids. So we made the decision that when I came back to Blackpool the first time, it was it was going to be our base, and then since then I've I've been to Sheffield United, which is probably three hours from Liverpool. I've played for Bradford, which is two hours away from Liverpool, and then Rochdale, which is still an hour away. So I've always managed to travel in and out, and and it hasn't been really that much of a difference. But then once I, I made the decision to to come up here, which was a tough one because you know when I left Blackpool, uh, Blackpool in January. I had the conversation with Martin Canning and I just, it felt like the right move, but I wasn't going to commit to the move until I got the green light from, from Sasha and the kids. And I think spending six months up here last season and how much I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the club were, were great to, to give me another year. And it was, even then, it was still a tough decision because I'm, get, I'm missing a lot of opportunities at home. You know, my kids are growing up so quick and I'm not about I, my, to be fair, my my mum, my own mum and dad bring my the kids up to to most games, but you know the majority of the time I'm going two three weeks without seeing either like any of the kids. I don't I probably see Sasha even less because she's working in Liverpool. So it's massive. It's 
sometimes you know you, you from a fan's point of view you look at a player who's who's having a bad performance but there's so many different reasons why people have bad performances listen no one wants to have a no one wants to play bad but it's we're still human beings we're still normal people and you know sometimes as much as we all love football and football's my job sometimes it has to take it at the back seat because first and foremost I need to look after my wife and both kids and and then football sometimes has to come second which I know the point of me being here is is to talk about football but we are we're not just footballers we are normal people and and there's things going on in in, in everyone's life and in, in every walk of life that ch- circumstances change and you know it's it's not ideal being three hours away from home but it's something that I've had the support of Sasha and the kids and it's something that is going quite well. Yeah, well, massive respect to you for that because, like I said, I, I feel like you've settled in here pretty well. Um, you know, your performances have been good as well. Um, unfortunately, this is a bit of a disappointing, but um, I need to touch a bit on last weekend. Obviously, we get Stubbs sent off pretty early on in the game. You know, it's not ideal and you're the one that gets took off after we go down to 10 men. How gutted were you after that? And like, what was going through your head at the time? Especially after it only being four minutes after you scored a really good goal. Um, listen, I've, I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed, but I'm at the, you know, as you said earlier on, this is my 15th professional football season. And before the manager even made the decision to, to bring me off, I, I knew that it, w- it would be me. It's when you tune it up away from home and, and the game was going as well as it was for us. We were really comfortable and and we were dominating the game. And as soon as Sam sent off, it it's one of those. Listen, George Oakley's a great young player and he, he's got ten years on me, so it's going to be a lot more work to be done. Where in the first thirty minutes we can share the load and and it and it's easier once once you go down to ten men and it's a, a defenders that that came has been sent off. Sorry and and you've got to change shape, it's it's only natural that it's going to be a striker. And listen, if I was the manager, I'd have brought myself off anyway. So it's it's one of them. It's for the for the team's sake, it was probably the right decision. It was obviously disappointing because we were going so well and, and we were very comfortable. But at the end of the day it's it's football and I'd sacrifice myself any day of the week as as long as we got a, a, a point or it well obviously we wanted the three but we come away with something which was massive for us. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean I have to say, we have to take a lot of positives away from that game. Like, I know we only ended up with the draw, but uh, obviously disappointing because we're up 2-0, we look comfortable, but it was a well-fought-for point in the end, and obviously, what about Mikael's goal? What a strike, by the way. How did it look on the pitch to you just after two minutes as well? To be honest, it was it was one of them once it was it was headed inside. I think me and Mikael were, were sort of both going for it at the same time, and... If I'm being completely honest, once the ball's bounced, I was screaming at him, just shoot. And, you know, you, if, if Mick comes on here, you can ask him the same question. I was screaming down his ear, just hit it. I think, especially as a left footer, you, it, it's a, obviously it's not it's not different to being right footer, but there's a lot more technique involved being a left footer because it's it's not as natural. So once it sits up like that and it, and it bounces, it's it was just a perfect height. And, and to be fair to him, it was a... It was a hell of a strike, and listen, Mix, Mix has got that in his locker. It's just whether he, he can convince himself all the time. It's 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 all, everything's confidence with Mix. If in training, I think the manager said it in his in his interview afterwards. He does that every day in training, and 
And sometimes in the game, balls will bounce like that or something will happen and he'll make the wrong decision because he's trying to be perfect. Where sometimes I think be, playing football is, as a job, you, you just have to play, be as natural as possible and, and play like you, you're playing with your mates. Yeah, well, I'm sure everyone will agree. It's great to see Mikel back in amongst the goals. Um, now to comment further on the game from last week, here's an interview with Brian Rice. We got off to the perfect start, then the sending off changes things. What's your thoughts on the game overall? I think for 44 minutes, Marcus, we're in control of the game. We've scored two really good goals. It's a good away performance. I think we're in control of the game. And then a mad three minutes changes it. Miller's goal was something special. Davies finishing as well. What did you make of both of their goals? Mikel's got that in his locker. I see it every day in training, scoring for all different areas of the field. And it's good to see him taking into a first-team game and doing it. So I need to keep encouraging that. And Davis is the best finisher at the club. There's no doubt about that. So when it falls to his left foot, I expect him to hit target. So when he scores a goal, I'm not surprised. But two really, really good, good goals to score today. Johnny Hunt he made his return to the starting lineup. How crucial is his experience within the squad? I think you've seen that second half. You know, knowing the position, knowing when to go and press and when to sit off. Uh, really, really difficult with ten men away from home. You know, it's we're getting used to this too much for my liking at the minute. Uh, although I think Sam's a wee bit unfortunate, but I can't single anybody out today. I think you know it's a good, solid team performance where we've had to dig in again and throw a body in the line and make challenges and win balls when we had to win them, and we've done that today. Second half got off to a shaky start. We've done ever so well to hold on to the point. Is that the heart and resilience that you've been mentioning? I think everybody's seen that today. You know, we lose a goal in 46 minutes. We get into the break. We come out first corner. You know, it's a great finish for Brophy. You know, I've not really seen it, but I can just remember it for the sides. And then we've got 40 minutes to play. Ten men against the and away from home. Uh, with some inexperienced players in there, but Darren McKinnon and Hunty brought a wee bit more experience to the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, I can't ask any more of the boys than they gave that second half there. You know, for 44 minutes, it was perfect for us. Uh, a wee four five minute spell, red card, poor goal at their own standards they lose, and then to lose the, the goal to begin the second half, and then for there to dig it out, you know I, I can, I'm, I'm praising the boys in the dressing room for that. Although we've scored two goals away from home again, and we've only walked away with a point. We go into the international break now. We're home to Rangers after that. Are we any closer to getting Easton Alston McKenna? Just with obviously these red cards that are maybe affecting it. Well, I hope so. I hope so. You know, two or three of them have been out quite a while now. Uh, the red cards obviously don't help, but it's too early to say at this minute in time. But I'm, I'm hopeful that I've got some bodies back. But, like I say, we, we don't make excuses. We don't make excuses about refereeing decisions. We don't make excuses about uh, injuries. Every club gets injuries. We're just fortunate that we've got some young players that are good enough to come in and play. So, like I say, Sam will miss the game against Rangers now, as will Scott Martin. So what we'll need to just do is uh, see who's available. And if it's a young kid that needs to come and play, he'll be ready to play, whoever it is. Steve, you can obviously understand his frustration with the game. We've now had five red cards this year, which isn't ideal at all. But, you know, we, we stick with it and we manage to get a point out of the game. Are we happy with that, considering the circumstances? Yeah, I think if... Listen, we knew it was going to be a tough game anyway, so going to, to Kilmarnock is always going to be tough. I think going away anywhere in this league is always tough. So I think before the game, if you would give it, have offered us a point, I think anything other than losing would have been a good result. But once you, you're 2-0 up and you're controlling the game as easy as we were, and I don't often say it, it was really easy. Like They didn't know what was happening. Listen, the manager, fair play to him, got it spot on. He got his tactics perfect and... I'm comfortable and 
I think if Sam wouldn't have been sent off, it'd probably have been three or four nil before half time because they were really shaking and and didn't know what was happening. So at the end of the day, it's listen. We're we're not happy if we're not winning games, but sometimes there's a bigger picture. You know, come come the end of May when when the season's finished, that could that could work out to be a good point. So I think from from a player's point of view and and from a staff's point of view, I think once. As long as we're picking up points and and the, our total keeps ticking over, I think we um, I think we'll be pretty happy. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with you. You know, away to call Marnox, there's never going to be an easy game, but you know, overall a well deserved point in the end. Now, time for a look ahead, Steve. We've got Rangers and Celtic coming up on our next three games with a trip to Livingston in between them. You know, it's never easy when we're playing the old firm teams. I've heard talk of get a point against one of the old firm teams and then go out and beat Livingston, would you be happy with four points from the three fixtures or are we always looking for more? Listen, it's, it probably touches on what I said before. I don't think there's any footballer in the world that would, would want to go into a game not looking to win. We Listen, with with both the, them big teams coming up, we know it's going to be tough, but I remember doing, doing an interview before the last Rangers game and and people thinking that we're inferior of these teams, we're not. We're we're in the same league as them, and and we're in the same league for a reason. So, listen, it's we're in we're under no illusions. Both games, in fact, all three games, are going to be tough just because we've got Rangers at home and then Livingston away. I think we'll probably find that the Livingston away game will probably be tougher than it'll be against Rangers on on Sunday. So, it's just one of them them things where we've got to play at some point. You've got to play them three times and. It just so happens that we've got Rangers Sunday and then and then Celtic the following Wednesday. So, from a player's point of view, I think it's it's just normal work. It's prepare all week and, and make sure we're ready for Sunday. And, and whatever the manager decides, we go out and and we put his his ideas and and we try and do it as to to the best of our ability. And hopefully, it's enough. Yeah. Well, I think the way I see it for most teams <coughs> in the league is you know any points picked up against the old firm teams mostly as a bonus. However, like you were saying, that means that doesn't mean that you just need to go and lie down to them. You know, we're going to put up a fight. But Steve, out of Rangers and Celtic, what team do you think is most beatable the now and why? Well, that's to be fair, that's a decent question. You know, it's I think both both teams have got have got their own qualities and and play in different ways. I think especially when you get the teams at home, I think that's probably our best chance to to try and get something. You know, we it's it's common knowledge that as soon as they come into our place it, it crops up about the pitch and the plastic pitch being a problem so I think these are just seeds of doubt that that they put they sort of put into the press because they want an excuse in case something goes wrong and you know listen we're, we'll play on that if if they think that coming to Hamilton the biggest challenge they've got to the pitch then then that's their own decision but listen that come Sunday they know that They've got eleven players against them that are going to give everything for for the Hamilton shirt and and hopefully, as I just said before, we'll we'll leave everything on a pitch and and fingers crossed it's enough. Yeah, I mean, either way, both of those games are going to be difficult. But in between them is an away trip to Livingston, who's sitting seventh place now. We bet them earlier on in the year, of course. Are we looking for more of the same this time round? And is is that almost a must-win game, considering the fact that we play both the old firm teams either side of this fixture? Um, I don't think it's a must-win. I think listen, we're in a we're in the middle of of November, so no games are must-win now. It's it's something 
that we'll look on and and we'll want to take the three points from it. Listen, if we don't, if we don't get the three points, that doesn't mean the season's over. I hate the cliche of must-win games because it's a game of football. If you had a must-win game, you must win every week, or you must want to. We want to win every week. It doesn't matter if we could go Sunday and beat Rangers, but then lose to Livingston. Like, does that mean? that the, the Rangers result wasn't a good result because we lost to Livingston. It's, I think as a footballer, you, you try and take every game as the next game's the most important. So I know you've asked the question on Livingston. To be honest, it's probably the furthest thing from my mind is is worrying about getting three points against Livingston because I think I'd be doing the the profession that I'm in a, a, a disservice if, I, if I'm not concentrating on Rangers Sunday. 100%. Um one thing I find so interesting about the next three fixtures is the fact that the game plan for each of those games is going to be so so different. Like As you can imagine, maybe against Livingston, we're going to have more of a go at it compared to against old firm teams. You know, We might sit back and look to hit them on the counter where our fast players like Mikel and Smithy running off the ball. Um, for a player, can that be difficult, trying to change tactics from game to game? Or is that something that you're prepared for? Are you used to that now? Being in your 15th season, your career, you're used to your role changing from each game? Yeah, listen, I think if you asked any player whether it was someone playing for Hamilton or, or someone playing for a non-league team, every football team has strengths and, and every other and every football team has weaknesses and it's it's something that you have to be able to adapt to. We know Sunday that, that Rangers will, will have the majority of the ball, but just because they've had the majority of the ball doesn't mean that they're going to win the game. It's... You've got to be. I think you've just got to. You've just got to be willing to listen. That listen, the manager. I've fin- I finished training at, at twelve o'clock, and f- f- believe me, the manager will still be sitting in his office now, going through tactics and and the best way he thinks that we can beat Rangers. So, I think if from a player's point of view, we'd be very naive if we didn't realise the amount of work that people, other than the players, put into to a performance. So, listen. I've got a hundred percent faith in in what the manager believes in, and if he if he decides that he's changing formation and he wants to change it, and I'm not playing, then if that if he thinks that's the best thing for the team, then then I'm a hundred percent behind him as long as as long as we we give it our all. And listen, if we come out and we've lost on Sunday, if as long as we give everything and, and we've had a good goal, I think we can we can all be pretty pleased. If you beat Rangers, you get three points. If you beat Livingston, you get three points. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it, I, I can understand what you're saying from the fans that you know their look to the Livingston game is that's the one that we. No matter who you beat, I think at the end of the day you still only get three points. So if we beat Rangers, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't mean that we're going to go to to Livingston on the Wednesday and, and beat them just because we beat Rangers. Yeah. So it's something that the gaffer really. Um, he really pushes on just because we're playing Celtic and Rangers there's no difference you still only get three points if you win and you still only get one point if you draw so I know listen it's the big clubs in Scotland and, and right, rightfully so they've you know they've got massive fan base some great players but myself personally I've I've played against Manchester United Tottenham teams like that and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, was I ever scared no I was I was I was made up. I was excited for the game because these are the games that you want to be tested in. And no disrespect to Rangers or Celtic, they're not Manchester United. They're not Tottenham Hotspur. No. And I think, yeah, they're, they're obviously the two best teams in this division. 
but they're not untouchable. You know, we're not we're not sitting here saying we're going to to Barcelona at the new camp and we've got no chance. Looking for, looking for redemption. Um, the game against Rangers is obviously on BT Sport as well. Dave, for you, does that add any extra motivation to to a player? And then obviously, it's certainly a good platform for some of the young players, like you were saying, like Lewis Smith or Jamie Hamilton, to get recognised more than what they already are. I know that. Uh, Smithy recently got a call up to under twenty one squad as well, so that's a bit of extra exposure for someone like him. Yeah, listen, I think I think the games being televised is always huge for for the younger players. For myself personally, it it doesn't. Listen, I've I've probably played fifty, sixty, even more times on TV. So as a player, it doesn't really. It's no different because every game's filmed anyway, and you know if if you try hard enough, you can always see the the main key part of football so obviously with it being live on TV some of the young boys yeah they'll probably be aware of it and and want to perform but listen as a professional footballer you've got to be able to perform every week because just because it's on TV now doesn't mean that last Saturday against Kilmarnock there wasn't a, a, a scout from another team looking at one of these younger players thinking well can he turn it on today listen everyone could we're all professional footballers so we've all got ability it's easy to turn it on for for a game that's on TV and with it being against Rangers, that's the easy bit. The hard bit is, can you put that performance in at Livingston on the Wednesday? Can you perform last Saturday at Kilmarnock? And listen, I'm getting to a point in my career where I'm looking at players, the younger players, and saying, right, well, I know you can play because I train with them every single day. Do I want them to perform on Sunday? Of course I do, because if they perform, it gives us more of an opportunity to win. But I want them to perform Wednesday as well, and I think that that's probably one of my key roles in this team now, is is being there for them and helping them. Listen, whatever young players play on Sunday and Wednesday, they might have a stinker in both games. Like that happens. I remember doing a thing with Marcus a couple of weeks ago, and. You know, I've probably played four underdog games now. I'd say I'd probably have only played well in 150 of them, where I've been really good. So I think that's the, the the nature of the beast. So we say with the game, it's you can't always play well. And it's not about wanting to play well. We all want to play well. It's just sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. But I think for these young players now, and, and especially other clubs I've been at where young players have had good moves it's not against the big teams where you get your big moves it's it's against the lesser teams where scouts are coming to watch it and, and I think that's when you've got to perform and I think the best players in the world are, are the most are the most consistent ones hmm. so is that a real emphasis in the dressing room where the senior players are like the leaders are you guys get not getting on at the young players but are you motivating them in a way and you know like try to bring them up and teach them the right ways almost to use being leaders in the dressing room almost yeah listen you know I was we finished training today and, and we had our, our team meeting upstairs and, and everyone's involved and then we come downstairs and the manager pulled myself Johnny and Darian he wants to talk to us because there's nothing worse in football than listen everything we do scrutinised from whether we go to shops what from going for a night out or in training, everyone always wants to see what we're doing. And I think in, in a professional football club, you ho- you always have to have that safe haven. And our dressing room is that place where no one's judged. So it'll be very rare that the manager will come into our into the dressing room other than on match day. 
and if he wants to speak to us, but we spend the majority of our time together in that dressing room and, and we don't need any members of staff in there. Listen, the members of staff do all the work, tell us the, the plan and then pass it to the team as a whole. But then individually, the manager will, will take myself and a couple of the older lads out of the dressing room and talk to us on a one-on-one -on -one basis, tells us what he wants and then that's for us to police our own dressing room. So we are, the gaffer says it all the time, he doesn't want to be getting involved in dressing rooms and, and coming in and having to keep an eye on people and it's something that as an older player you have to do keep an eye on everything and I think that's something that we try to do Well, listen it's been brilliant having you on today you've been an amazing first guest for the show I appreciate it so much No worries mate, top man Well that's all for today's episode of Talking Ackies I hope you've all enjoyed the first episode of the podcast and are looking forward to the next episode which will be in a fortnight time Please feel free to share on any social media platforms. Until next time, goodbye for now.